Welcome back to Finding Catharsis. I'm your host Simon Bettenkirth, and it's been a uh, it's been a minute since I recorded a new episode, and I think it's time to really go over it. So, in the last episode, I talked about an anxiety attack that I had, and some issue and some other issues that I had, and some kind of like where I needed to be, where I needed to go to kind of alleviate myself of that. Um, and in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but also be, uh, because of some growth and development and some recent catharsis on my part to uh, kind of help quell some of the issues and fears that I have. So with that being said, uh, pack your snacks, get your lickish, get your strombolis. It's going to be a, a bit of an episode. So starting off, um, I had another panic attack later that week on that Saturday, and uh, it came, I know it comes from a pl- fear of abandonment and a fear of uh, loneliness. Uh, and with that being said, you know, let me set up the stage. So basically what had happened was uh, that Saturday, October 16th, uh, it was my friend's birthday. And earlier that day, we and my friends went out to go play Airsoft. It was a good time. I met a new, I met one of their uh, friend of the group that wasn't hanging out often, but we found him and met up with him anyway. Um, and then, you know, pretty much later that day, you know, went by, basically we're going to go play airsoft in the, in the morning, afternoon, then we're going to leave, hang out. And then we're going to show up to Chris's, uh, my friend, Chris, his his party, his birthday party. And it's also a Halloween dress up thing. So we went afterwards. uh, I went to my, I was traveling with my buddy, Pat, and he and I basically, uh, we're just chatting, you know, making our way, shook a shower at his place, changed. And then we made our way over to, uh, to him later that uh, night. There were a lot of his friends there that, you know, from when he was in hi- from high school and stuff like that. Uh, and then our, his, uh, the group of friends that I know. I'm basically just hanging out, coinciding with one another. Um, and then one friend of his showed up. Very, very, uh, probably very nice, cute girl. Uh, and basically she thought I was cute, wanted to be introduced to me. Also, nice. Uh, <laughs> she wanted to be introduced to me. And... But somewhere in between me finding that out, uh, turn, she found out that I was in the military. She didn't like military guys. Uh, she's a very anti-gun, anti-military type person, which is fine. You know, have your own personal beliefs. But my only argument to that is, well, you don't know me. Why are you going to make brash assumptions based off what I do for work? You, you know, like just because I might you know, I might be who you like, you know, might do something you might not like. You can still get to know who I am as a person and get to know me and make your own decisions based off me specifically not what i do um because not everyone fits the stereotype just like i don't specifically so with that being said you know my friend introduced me to her you know we talk he mentioned airborne i kind of talk about that a little bit how i want to how i'm going next year very excited and i showed her a, a parachute landing fall a plf and my friends were there in the area, and they laughed and giggled because why would I do that in their heads and because I know what I'm doing. Um, to quote Rob, my my adopted dad, my, my dad, um, I don't like things. I obsess over them. And when I like something, I learned every minute detail because I want to. I want to be a master of my craft and everything that I like. And knowing how to do a PLF before I even go is important to me. With that being said... You know, uh, <laughs> uh, my friends made fun of me for that. And, you know, basically she was interested. I didn't know that, I, you know, I thought I'd blown my chances based off that thing. And my friends making fun of me, not knowing that she wasn't even interested in me because I'm in the military. And I didn't really care about that because 
she's just some stranger. Who cares? You know, there are many more to meet, right? But my friends making fun of me made me feel very small and very alone, and that brought up my fears of abandonment, which kind of brought up my first panic attack uh, earlier that week, and I realized, like, oh, fuck, I'm terrified, and you boys freaking the fuck out. Um, so I, so I proceed to freak out, you know, my friends are, my friends aren't doing anything to really help me out. And it's not that they're doing it, you know, like they, they didn't mean to, you know, I was just freaking the fuck out. I was having a panic attack and, you know, I went to my car, I was trying to like fucking compose myself, but I couldn't. And I was debating whether to just leave, tell Pat like, Hey man, I can't, can, you know, go with somebody else. I'm, I'm not going and my friends were all there waiting for me at the end at the front of my uh, Chris's house and you know trying to figure out what was wrong and Melissa uh, my friend Dan's wife who's also my friend love Melissa and I love Dan they're my favorite people um she came in and in my car and she kind of helped me and walked me through getting out of my anxiety attack and kind of like why I'm ha- feeling this way um and it helped a lot you know it, it really did like it helped me not be so uh feel so uh uh alone it helped me feel like i wasn't alone and seeing my friends there at the end of the driveway really really helped because even though they kind of started it yeah well not that they meant to but you know they started it 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 helped realizing that you know they're there for me um and i kind of just started opening up to them little by little about you know uh my anxiety and my and my fear um and you know it 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 helped kind of talking about it and realizing that i need to go to i need to find new resources um because the resources that i had weren't working as well and uh later that week starting of that of that new week i i did i reached out and you know i set up uh i set up some appointments and you know now i'm finding the resources i need through a through a litany of of different tools that were that are available for me and it's going well so far um but i realized that you know i the tools i was using and the resources i had weren't uh working as effectively and i needed to find new tools and this journey that i've been on has been really great useful for that um you know i i basically you know am learning to discuss some of the topics and kind of the root of it all you know my fear of abandonment coming from my biological sperm donor who for those who don't understand uh, I don't the term would be my father you know guy who who plowed my mom and then had me (laughs) such a fucking weird way to say but yeah we're rolling with it um you know him I don't really think he's deserving of that title Uh, I don't think he's ever done anything that is remotely deserving of it so i call him my biological sperm donor my dad my real dad is robert bejor a, a position and title that i kind of gave kind of put him into and one that he is you know figuring out on his own uh one that has taken time but one that he he appreciates and honors and is very grateful to have um and something and that we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later on this episode because it's where i kind of find my catharsis um, this recent catharsis that I found, bada bing, bada boom, Mr. Worldwide when I enter the room. <laughs> um, so, you know, I know that that's the guy who I see as my dad. That's my father figure, right? And, you know, 
going back to this fear of abandonment, there have been a lot of male role models in my life that I look up to who ended up leaving at some point in my career in my life. And, you know, whether I left or they left, you know, it always like left this kind of hole because I bonded with them. I, I really liked that person, whether that was the friend of my mom's who was staying with us, uh, Fernando, uh, who, you know, taught me who's who one of his friends painted this amazing Spider-Man mural in my room until we moved out and they had to repaint it. Um, you know, who let me watch SpongeBob with him, who took me to places, or it was the the, uh, the barber that he introduced me to that I really like, who cut my hair, made me feel, or I think he was the one who cut my hair. I don't remember. Um, you know, he was there. He was a big part of my life, you know, or it was um, Mr. Z. He was a uh, teacher aide who taught me how to draw, you know, comic book characters, taught me how to draw Spider-Man, you know, or my uncle who'd come in and out of my life, but also had his own life. Uh, Joey, my landlord, who was a very great guy who let me, you know, spend time playing with his Legos and would take me to school. You know, his cat and his German Shepherd, who I love to death because they were always so nice and calm. You know, and yeah, I... They either left on their own accord, and it's not like they abandoned me, but there's always that little sense of like, you know, we should stay in touch, but I was also a little kid, and you know, it's those kind of relationships are difficult. It's kind of expected sometimes, which I think is really dumb. Um, and yeah, so when Rob came into my life, you know, he is he was this person I wanted to emulate. You know, this this adult, this guy who I feel like I could get to know and talk about things. And I did, and I was, and you know, he and I have a very unique relationship because of that. You know, on my phone. His literal name is Dad. Like, I have his contact photo. His, his contact name is Dad because, to me, that's what he is. He's my dad. You know, he he's, you know, everything I wish my dad was. And, you know, one that he and I discuss, you know, a lot. Like, he, he definitely mentioned to me, you know, before he moved to Texas, like, you know, I, I struggle with trying to figure out what that means, you know, being your, your dad. And, you know, like, am I ready for that role yet? And, you know... Rob isn't perfect, you know, Rob definitely has, you know, played into that fear of abandonment, you know, I would, when I was dating my ex, you know, I would, she made it clear, like, you know, it's kind of fucked up, you know, you see, you talk about Rob in this great way, but sometimes he won't even respond to any of your texts, and I see how it makes you feel when, you know, you'll, you'll say, oh, let's talk today, and then he, he doesn't answer, or he doesn't get back to you, or he says, oh, we gotta, you know, move it to another day, and I always understood that he was just busy, you know, but it, it still kind of hurt, you know, and I, I understand, like, he's got his own life and everything, and, you know, it's, I'm not, I wasn't expecting him to drop everything and make me the center of his world like a real dad would, I just would appreciate, you know, when possible to hear me out, to listen to what I have to say, because, you know, I look up to him, he's my, my father figure, I don't know the things I don't know, and sometimes him just listening to me vent, and then giving me advice and helping me towards it, you know, it's, beneficial so uh recently this past thursday uh i i called him and i wanted to talk to him about it and i told him how it made me feel how you know he played a role in my kind of my fear of abandonment and you know i told him like i know i don't blame you entirely you know because i'm not expecting you to do those things but it also kind of sucked when i'd want to talk to you or i'd message you and you know it'd take days for you to get back to me you know and he, 
this motherfucker, I can't believe it. This son of a bitch fucking goddamn Rob, this motherfucker. You know what he does? You know what he ends up doing? He ends up taking accountability for his actions, apologizing, and fucking telling me, you know what? Thank you for telling me and holding me accountable. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that to you. And, you know, didn't give excuses for why. He just apologized. And God damn it, that son of a bitch, that motherfucker. Can't believe he did that to me. <laughs> I'm obviously joking. I don't think he's a son of a bitch for that. But, uh, you know, I knew he was going to. Part of me, I don't know, was still worried that he wouldn't, even though it's a ridiculous thing, because some people won't. And obviously, Rob has never given me any evidence to support that claim. It's just one that I made up. And now we're moving into the topic of where I found this catharsis. Um, you know, I, I realized as I was talking to him, you know, about that, you know, he really helped me kind of like understand, like accepting that. And he told me, you know, the only reason I'm so good at being, you know, this kind of father figure in my life is because he didn't have a dad. You know, and basically he wants to do all the things he didn't do. You know, all the things that he did, his father did, he wants to avoid and do the things that he wished someone had. And it's going very well. <laughs> um, and it's one that I relate to, you know, as myself growing up, you know, I'm being a, a older brother, but also father figure to my younger brother, one who is still learning things and, you know, just growing up. And I'm struggling with that difference because how do I be this role model when I'm still struggling and dealing with all this other stuff going on in my life? And, you know, it's not easy, but me and my older brother make do with it and we try our best. You know, there are a lot of things going on in our lives and I'm trying, you know, and basically we were talking and, you know, I kind of realized I talked about this kind of goblin in my head. And I think I mentioned it before in this podcast where basically I think there's like this really negative, ghastly goblin looking motherfucker in my head. Basically, it looks like me, but in goblin form, which isn't too far from what I actually look. But I'm tish. <laughs> Such a dumb joke. I'm so fucking dumb. Why do I make these jokes like character break for a minute? Man, my, my comedic genius, sometimes I'm fucking hilarious, and sometimes, you know, I'm not. And I, this moment's like this, where I'm like, I think it's really funny, but it's not. Um, In my head, that kind of, like, creates all this self-deprecating fucking bullshit and humor that I use. You know, I'm a piece of shit, I'm this, that, and the third. And, you know, I realized, and I broke down, I thought about this meme that I saw, where it's basically cut from Watchmen. Um, basically, it's a photo of Dr. Manhattan, the blue guy. Uh, and some, some woman he's going to about to blow up and it's like source and Dr. Mahan, I made it up and I realized something then there and then, well, that's the meme context it. But as we were talking, I kind of realized, I brought up this conversation that I had with Vicky and Alicia and these friends I had who I apologize for not kind of avoiding and not talking to because of my dumb relationship with my ex and all this other bullshit. And I realized some, I was thinking about something that Vicky had said to me. She told me, Simon, if you really were the piece of shit you thought you think you are, do you really think I'd let you back in my life? And that comment, you know, I thought about it at the moment, but like, you know, I kind of like was just still apologizing. I realized that she made a fair point. I trust Vicky with my life. You know, I trust her with her advice and her decisions. And, you know, I obviously, you know, with that trust, right, there's a level of like, you know, she has a play in what in the decisions I make. 
And I was thinking about that. And I realized, and I told Rob then, he's like, wow, that's a really smart thing to say. And I realized something then and there. If I trust Vicky as much as I say I do, then she's got a fair point. She wouldn't have accepted me back into her life if I had, you know, if I was this piece of shit person I think I am. And then I realized, due to that meme, that I'm making it up. There's no evidence to support my claim that I'm a piece of shit person. I know what a piece of shit is. A lying predator who manipulates and uses others as their playthings when that's not the case. People, predators who prey on the weak, rapists, sexual predators, you know, child molesters. Like, I know what a piece of shit is. And I'm not any of those things. And I realized through this comment this offhand, well, not offhand, but this comment, my my best friend, this person I trust more than anything, who has no, gains nothing from lying to me, you know, has, has, always, has been a great center of, of my support group, and Rob on top of that, and Alicia, these people that I trust, that I, I you know, I care about, there's no, they, they're giving me, scient they're giving me physical and scientific evidence that I'm not a piece of shit, and my gremlin in my head, little goblin gremlin fuck, he is making all this shit up. And it was that realization through a dumb meme and and this beautiful, this kind of beautiful comment my, my best friend made, it taught me something really reasonable and important that I'm not a piece of shit because all the evidence that I my brain is creating to think I am is made up. There's no proof for it. And realizing that with Rob was so important, A, because it proves that, you know, even if he's, you know, still trying to figure out that role and stuff, he's doing a really good fucking job of it. And B, it helped lead to this, like, important moment where I kind of realized, like, oh, fuck, like, I got this. I'm doing, I got this. And ever since then, it's, ever since that conversation, I've noticed that I haven't been making as many of those jokes you know, self-deprecating, saying I'm a piece of shit. You know, I just, I'm not. If anything, I'm just an asshole. Like, I'll say some really fucked up and rude things. But I think it doesn't, it goes, doesn't go without merit. Now, for example, the other day, um, yesterday, some kid at school was revving his fucking motorcycle without a helmet, without any proper safety gear, just revving it, being like a, you know, like a dick, like, oh, well, listen to my motorcycle. And I kind of looked at him sarcastically, put my hands on my face like, oh my god, wow, like, look at you. And he just fucking took off of ripping it. And normally, I'm all for it, you know. People in cars, who like in their hoopty cars and their, uh, you know, their cars that they, they work up where they take out the catalytic converter and straight pipe it, making it sound super loud. Like, cool. They're in a car at least, and the car has safety features. Got a motorcycle with no helmet doing that shit, he's going to fucking hurt himself. So I said a bunch of fucked up shit. Like, I hope he fucking trips on a goddamn rock and fucking gets in an accident. Fucking cunt. Piece of shit. And I got really mad. And I said that in front of my friend that I met, my friend Denise, uh, and this other kid in my class, Chris. And it was kind of really fucked up for me to kind of just say all those things and then just take off. But a lot of it comes from this place of, okay, do what you do will with your life. But don't endanger yourself to look cool or to flex. So... I lost a family member. I lost a cousin of mine to a motorcycle accident. And had he been more safe and more careful, he would have, he would be here. 
and it sucks knowing that. And actually, even before I I said those things, my mom was telling me a story of a friend of hers who, you know, my mom would love to ride on motorcycles and stuff. And, you know, she would ride all the time with her friend until her friend died in an accident. And that kind of really brought this, like, difficult, like, ideology. Like, listen, if you're going to do stupid shit, right, be safe about it. I promised, I made a promise to my friend Vicky. I made a promise to Rob. I made a promise to my loved ones that I would stop being so stupid. I would take my life a little bit more seriously and take it a little bit more safely. And I am, you know, granted, I'm recovering from injury from running and I should probably take more time to take care of it better. And I am, but you know, you boy fucks up sometimes. And, you know, but at least I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to make the improvements in my safety and taking better care of myself. And, you know, it, it it's upsetting that my it's upsetting that someone would do that. Someone would be that stupid and I'm going to call them out for it. Was it a little bit uncalled for? Shouldn't I have said those things? Probably not. Was it the right time or place? Probably not. But I said it because people are fucking stupid and they should know like you're being fucking dumb. Um, and I don't regret what I said. I just regret. I don't regret how I said it. I don't regret what I said. I just regret not taking the appropriate measures to be like, man, I fucking hate when guys do that and then yell it. Give context to my to people around me. Like, I think people who do stupid shit like that, who avoid safety, do that shit. They deserve what they get told. But you know, you win some, you lose some, and you learn, right? And that's pretty much what it's been up to now. I ended up running later that day and injured my foot a little bit more, but I still ran two and two and a half miles. We'll take that as a W. I'm thinking of switching over to biking for the time being as I still let my foot recover and heal and take care of itself. Biking will be a great way to get cardio in and stuff and, you know, doesn't put as much strain on my foot. And yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at now. And, you know, I'm on this journey of developing better and stronger tools that, that only not only benefit me, but also benefit my my loved ones and people I care about. And I'm working on myself still. I'm still this work in progress. And, you know, it's going to take time for me to get to where I want to be, you know, and I'm happy for this journey. You know, it's it's going to take time and I'm ready to put in the time. Um, you know, my friend Vicky asked me this really good question of like, why now? You know, why why make this change now? And, you know, I realized like, you know, I told her that the tools that I, you know, was using weren't working and, you know, it's time that I find new tools, but also at the same time. I mentioned that, you know, it's also part of that promise I made, promise that I would take better care of myself, not only physically, but mentally as well. You know, taking care of myself isn't just the physical, it's both the holistic approach, one that is inspired by the Green Beret Foundation and their Master Sergeant Andrew Mark Sano Suicide Prevention Fund, a charity and fund that I talk about quite a lot because I think they're doing a bear, their mission and the, their approach is one that I appreciate wholeheartedly. It takes a whole ass approach instead of a half-assed approach. Not to say that charities are doing a half-assed approach. That's not what I'm getting at. It's just that this approach is unique in its own where it's not just, it's holistic. It's let's take a look at every detail. And as someone who takes in every detail, I can appreciate that. And, you know, I should put my money where my mouth is and do the same when it comes to myself, taking care of both the physical and the mental, you know, and the, I guess, spiritual, but 
your boy's not religious, so oh well. You know, I started just lifting weights again today, and that was very, in its own, cathartic and, you know, felt good. You know, I still got a long ways to go, but I'm ready to get back into it, get right back into this journey that I was on and keep pushing myself. As my friend Dan is on this journey of weight loss, and he's fucking killing it. And that commitment drives me to commit to my other things. And wherever he goes, I want to be alongside him, not only because he's a great influence on me, but to show him that he's not alone in these adventures and these endeavors, that there's always someone there who will push themselves, may not always be in the same way, but will push themselves alongside them so they know that they're not going through this alone, that there's someone who's going through a journey, may not be the exact same, but is going through this journey as well. That they're going over these other obstacles and hurdles it may not be the same, but that they're there, you know. So my friend said that you know as soon as that he starts, it gets to a certain weight goal that he's going to start doing this. And I told him, cool. As soon as you start doing that, I'm going to start doing this, and that way, you know, he knows that like, all right, we're gonna we're kind of going to this hand in hand. We're going through different journeys and different st- struggles, but we're going through them together. You know, like the journeys I go, my journey while different. It's still a journey and I'm doing it, you know, with him. You know, Rob said something really important during, you know, our phone call that said, don't let the idea of something ruin the reality, spoil the reality of it. And it was something that I thought was really, really useful and like inspiring because it's true. Sometimes we'll create these ideas and stories and thoughts in our head of how a situation will play out. And sometimes it can spoil what really is, you know, and that doesn't mean that if it doesn't meet our expectations or what we thought of it doesn't necessarily mean it's still bad. You know, it can still be really good. And sometimes taking an objective eye, looking at the real scheme of things is awesome. And we should be looking at that and thinking about that. And I'm really grateful for that, you know, and I think for today, uh, I think I'm, I'm good with this episode of where have we gotten, what we've accomplished. I'm going to work on some other things in the meantime, but, um, but yeah, my dad piece of advice for this episode is live your life. What do I mean by that? It means whatever your endeavor is, whatever you're working on, whatever you're doing, live it your way. If you if you're forced into a situation where you're doing a career, pursuing a career in something that you don't have your whole heart in, you're only doing it because someone said you should do it, whether it's a parent or somebody, you know, say, fuck them and do what you want. You know, be who you want to be. Live your life unapologetically and be unapologetically yourself. And if those people don't like it, fuck them. You know, at the end of the day, you have to, you're with yourself more often than not. And you should do things that will make you happy. And that's important. To live your life the way you want to. And drink lots of water. Drink more water than you think you are because you need to drink water. Uh, I don't drink nearly enough water. But anyway. When you're listening to this, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I love you. And I'm proud of you. And we'll talk again soon.